if you just want to earn enough money to pay the bills, go get a job. Don't bother with a business. Running a business is a lot more hard work than it is to be an employee in somebody else's business. You live and die by your sword in a business. If you screw up running a business, that could cost you big time. If you screw up whilst in a job, well, for the most cases, people will probably forgive you. You only have to screw up really, really big time to lose your job or to have your job affected. In most cases, your job will go on. So if you're going to create a business, do it with the intention of creating massive wealth and abundance. Most businesses are created to make a decent amount of money, and that is not enough. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal about automation, getting leads, retargeting, and sales funnels. You know, the stuff that'll actually make you money and doesn't empty your wallet. Get valuable, actionable information from me and other experts in the online marketing space, which will boost your business beyond its current boundaries. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hey, welcome back. Clive Maloney here again, and this is episode nine of the Get Real About Business podcast. How are you feeling? Well, if like me, you spent a lot of time watching the news lately, you're probably a bit exhausted. There's been so much in the media about the American elections, Trump and Clinton. I don't even live in America, but I've just been absolutely glued to the whole process. And the funny thing is, we've just come out of Brexit. The antics that we've seen some of our politicians get up to around Brexit campaign, well, some of those things you had to see to believe. But now watching what was going on in America with Clinton and Trump, that was just incredible. I suppose the character that drew most of attention, of course, was Trump. He was the underdog. He was the guy with no experience in politics, yet he still came through. And as an outsider, as somebody living in the UK, it was a real surprise to me to see that Trump did actually win the election. Yeah, he didn't win the popularity vote, but he got in as president. I'm not up on politics at all, really. I watch it, I have an interest in it, but I'm no politician at all. What I am interested in is human behaviour, and we saw a lot of that, some of it quite distasteful at times, but we've seen a lot of it in the media and the things that people have been up to. Trump, whatever you think of him, has made a massive achievement. And when you see a lot of the things that have gone on in his life, yes, he's had a lot of failures, but he's also had a lot of success too. And you can't disagree the fact that financially, he does pretty well. So today, it seems the absolute perfect moment to stop and think about why people like Trump are successful with money. What I don't want to do is cause huge debate about Trump. It doesn't matter whether you like him. It doesn't matter whether you agree with his approach to people or politics. What matters is to look at why people like Trump are successful so that we can take those bits that are useful to us and then emulate those and use those within our own lives. As you may know, Trump began his career with what Trump calls a small loan from his father of a million dollars. Not many of us get to start our careers on that, but nevertheless, he has taken that million dollars and turns it into billions of dollars. So he was doing something right. And what we're going to be doing today is looking at why people like Trump, why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You see, it's all down to your money blueprint, what it means and how to change it. So what we're going to be doing today is taking a look at those attitudes to money that exist out there. And we'll use our time as well to get you to think about what your attitudes to money and how they affect you attract, retain, spend, keep, lose money and what you can do for the better. 
You see, we all have a money blueprint, and a money blueprint is simply a way of thinking or an attitude to money. Now, some money blueprints are healthy in as much that they attract money. Other people's money blueprints hinder. It's your psychology to money. So that's what we're going to be talking about, your money blueprint. Yet again, what I've done is put together a cheat sheet for you. As you know, I'm a born educator. I like to help people learn and implement things within their lives that will create a better future for them. That's why I believe I'm on this planet right now, or at least that's the purpose that I've adopted. So what I've done is put together a cheat sheet for you, and I'm calling it Winning Your Inner Money Game. And what I've done there is outlined the various different money blueprints and the, the money types that we're going to go through today. And I've put some really practical things down that you can do to change your money type. Why would you want to do this? Well, unless you've got more money than you can cope with. The chances are that your money type is somewhat unbalanced right now. And that is one of the things that's keeping wealth from your door. Every change, every transformation in your life begins with awareness. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to give you an awareness about what your money type is. Now, when you're aware of something, you can then begin to understand it. And I'm going to give you some exercises and some ideas today that will help you do that. And then when you have an understanding, you can make better choices. And better choices lead to bigger results and better results. And that's what we want from today, isn't it? So what I've done in that cheat sheet is put down a couple of really powerful exercises to get you to look at and understand more about your money type and give you some practical things that you can do to change that. This will not only reinforce what we're going to cover today on the podcast, but it will also take you a step further in terms of making a change in your life and making change in your mindset that will create more wealth. So we're going to get going with this in a moment, but if you want to go and pick up that cheat sheet and you might want to do it right away, then you can go to getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash nine. And that will take you to my show notes page. You'll be able to download it, use it during the podcast here, and then complete the exercises afterwards. I think you'll find it really, really useful. And some of these exercises that I'm sharing today and in the uh, in the cheat sheet are things that I've done in the past and have made a massive difference for me. What we have to remember is that mindset is something that we have to continually work on. Like any skill, it gets better with practice. So this isn't a one-hit wonder. What you need to do today is take some of the learnings that's going to be shared with you today um, and then work on them on a daily basis. This isn't something that's necessarily time-consuming, it's not onerous, but it is something that can make a massive difference to your business and to your life and to your relationships. So if you want that cheat sheet, go to my website, getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash nine. Right now, I'm going to get straight on with this. So we're going to be looking at your money blueprint, what it means, whether you're balanced in it, whether you're not, or if you need to make any changes. And if so, what can you do? We'll also be looking at the number one biggest mistake that keeps wealth from your door. And this is a really, really important lesson. I'm going to share this with you today. And one of the things I hear all the time is people saying that I'm doing everything I can think of to do and yet I'm not seeing the results. So they're looking at what the experts are out there doing. They're paying attention to what everybody's saying that they need to get on and do. And they're using their own creativity and ingenuity to bring about results in their business. But they're just not seeing the results. Now that could be a lot of different reasons. But mostly people are working, working, working. And what they're not doing, one of the things they're not doing is paying attention to money. Money is the thing, really, that makes our lives easier. 
when we have more of it. But it seems to me that people are loath to talk about it and loath to ask for it. And for many people, money is taboo. This all comes down to your money blueprint. Rich people have different money blueprints to poor people. Take Donald Trump. He's been able to turn a million dollars into billions of dollars. And we can all do that. We can start with an amount of money and we can turn that into more money. But most of us don't. Donald Trump was once in the situation where he lost all of his money. He was a billionaire, lost all of his money. I remember seeing an interview with Trump's daughter and she was saying that they were outside the Trump Tower once and Trump pointed to a homeless person who was on the side of the streets. And he said to his daughter, I think it was Ivanka, she said, see that person, they've got more money than me. I don't know the circumstances, but clearly there'd been some monumental failure. But that didn't ruin Trump. Within a relatively short period of time, Trump had got all of his money back and more. He was back to being a billionaire. There is something about the way Trump is wired that generates money. And the good news is you don't have to turn into Donald Trump yourself. What you can do is look at what it is that people like him do or how is it they behave? What's their attitude to money that create that amount of money? Equally, you look at people who win the lottery. In most cases, I mean, they might win millions of pounds, millions of dollars. In most cases, within a couple of years, they're back to the same earnings they were always on. And if you think about it, most people, they spend most of their lives pretty much on that same income bracket. If you started your business recently, there's a good chance that that income bracket has gone down. You're starting from scratch. And probably what you're looking to do is to get back to that same income bracket that you had when you was employed by somebody else. But why settle for that same income bracket? Surely you went into business. Surely you're in business right now because you want to make a lot of money. That's not the only driver, but it is important. People who win the lottery invariably go back to the same income bracket they had before. They spend their money or they lose their money. They're back to that same income bracket. That's why lottery commissioners now have advisors that they give people who win these millions of pounds and help them manage their money and help them use their money more effectively. Again, it comes down to your money blueprint. The thing is, you need to understand the rules about money. Just as in life, there are rules. And you need to understand the rules about money if you want to have more money. Let's just have a think about some of those rules. And the first one I'm going to give you today is everything gets better by talking about it. It's true. Even sex, or so I'm told. The more we talk about it, often the easier it gets. If you think about it, who's the last person you sat down with and openly talked about money? I'm not talking about that last £3,000 client that you won and you told your mum about. And sure, you're going to share that. But that's the good stuff. I mean openly talk about the debt that you're in, the debt that's on your credit card, the expenses that you've got going out at the moment, or the fact that you had a certain income goal and maybe you missed it by quite a bit this month. That can be a problem that we're not paying attention to it. So it's possible that you're just not talking about money. Or equally, it's also possible that you're talking about money so much, but you're talking about the wrong things with money. That maybe all you talk about at home is the fact that things are tight. And what that does is just reinforce your scarcity mindset. The more we focus on not having money, the more money we seem to lack. So we need to get used to talking about money from a practical sense. Your worries and concerns, and also your hopes for the future, your aspirations, and importantly, what you're going to do 
to get there. And this is where the next rule about money comes in. Money loves being paid attention to. When we pay more attention to it, we start attracting more of it. It's all about this law of attraction, isn't it? Here's another one for you. Money loves to be understood. If you're uncomfortable with talking about money and understanding money, no amount of marketing will help. Because what will happen is that when you get to that part where they say, I can't afford that, you're not going to know what to say. You're just going to go into avoidance, and denial and fear. So what you need to do is start shifting your relationship with money. And that's the key to having more money. That's why my coaching sessions now, I'm spending more time with clients looking at their relationship with money and working on the relationship with money. And I do this early on as possible in a coaching program so that we can start getting the mindset right. And I often think that's even more important than the marketing and sales components. It makes everything else so much more easier. It really does. And one way to understand money better is to figure out what money type you are. And that is how you relate to money. So according to T. Harv Eker, there are four money personalities. You've got your spenders, your savers, avoiders, and your martyrs. And incidentally, you can read a lot more about this in T. Harv Eker's book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I'll put a link to it on the show notes page. But let's just take a look at those four money types. As I say, you've got spenders, savers, avoiders, and martyrs. When we look at these, you want to think about, who am I? Where am I with this? And it's just possible that you actually might bridge between, let's say, a couple of different money types, and that is okay. But what you want to think about is identifying pretty much where you are. Again, transformation all starts with awareness, and that leads to understanding. So the first money type is spenders. Now, if you're a spender, give me a number because you are an absolutely fantastic person to be around. You like to have a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun to be around you. You see, you love to spend the money that you earn. And your credit card bills are probably higher than you can pay because you spend more money than you generate. Not just about the money that you earn, but you tend to go overboard. And you often buy things to make yourself feel better or for some other kind of emotional reason. More than simply because you need it. So money for you is an emotional scapegoat. You spend money to release emotion. So emotions like frustration, boredom, being lonely, or that you just had a bad day at work. Now, typically, spenders are often the second born in the family, and they are the rebels. And their primary reason for spending is often approval. They often say things like, oh, it's only money, and you only live once. You often rationalise your spending with comments like, I'm worth it, or it's for learning. So it all seems for a very good reason But when you look at your money situation, it all seems that consistently you are spending all the money you've got, and often more. Now, in the personal development field, you might have tons of books, and you might be studying several courses and qualifications, and yet you never really seem to get ahead or get anything finished. So you might be the serial learner. What you need to remember here is that that attitude not only means that you're probably spending more than you need to, but this constant search for new ways, new ideas, Um, and never implementing them, or at least implementing very little of what you learn, well, that's a sign of procrastination. And that's simply going to hold you up. So if you're like that, you need to hold back on some of this learning. I know that seems incredible coming from a coach and an educator, but it is all about practical application. What you learn, you need to apply, or at least the good bits you need to go out and apply. So what tends to happen when you're like this, and you're, you're going on all these different courses, you read all these different books, but never really finishing anything, 
is that you become jack of all trades and master of none. And one of the great things about Spenderstone is that you are nurturers and you typically take really good care of the people that you love and you have a great sense of natural intuition and easily pick up on other people's needs. So what we need to recognise is that each of these behaviour types have good as well as bad in them. And we need to think not only which behaviour type, which money type that most describes you, but also how balanced you are with it. So that's spenders. Let's have a look at another one. The next one is avoiders. If you're a avoider, you have no idea at all how much money you've got in the bank right now or on your credit cards. Because of that, you have a tendency to overwork and overworry. You overwork because you don't know the relationship between what you do and how much money you bring in. And therefore, you don't know when to stop. But to compound it, because you don't pay attention to money, you don't always work on the things that bring you money. You overworry because you don't have a sense of what your numbers are. How it's really funny is I'm sharing this with you right now. I'm thinking about a number of different people that I know, and I'm particularly for one person right now that I'm working with. Yep, she's a real avoider. Maybe this is you. So you overworry because you don't know what your numbers are. There's a tendency to think that you haven't done enough. You haven't done enough. You need to do more. I need to do more. But there's also this belief that you will always be able to manifest money, that money's going to be just something that's going to be there when you need to. You think that you don't need to worry about money, even though you are worried about money. You think that you don't need to worry about money because it will turn out all right in the end. That somehow the money will come and you will manifest it. But what's underlying that belief is the fact that if you start looking at money, then it might stop to flow and you'll stop manifesting it. So ask yourself right now, do you really know what's in your bank account? Do you know what you pay for your office space? How much is that photocopier or the water cooler that's in the corner of your room? If you don't know this, you could well be an avoider. Now your third money type are the savers. Now these are Joe Call on the outside. They look like they've got everything under control. They always have money in their savings account. They pay their credit card bills in full at the end of every month, so they never pay the interest on it. In fact, some savers may not even believe in using credit cards. And they tend to make extra payments on their mortgage as well, so they can bring down the amount as quickly as possible. So savers are great in that often they free up their mortgage as quickly as possible and they bring their overall costs down. What they don't do is spend a lot of money on superfluous things, things that they don't need. They often deny themselves pleasure. So let me give an example. If you've got a back problem, rather than going to your local chiropractor or osteopath, you might stick resolutely to the local GP and you would want to avoid paying for private treatments. In this country, at least, we have the National Health Service. So you may then put out for many months with a lot of pain and discomfort simply because you want to wait for the National Health Service to treat it for you. Even though there are options out there that might speed everything up for you, you don't take advantage of them because you're afraid of spending money. What you tend to do is fear that money doesn't flow and that there's not enough for everyone. Savers are usually the favourite in the family. and They tend to be the overachievers, the one that often did the best among their siblings and were often recognised as being highly responsible. So for you, if you're a saver, well, saving is a way for you to show that you are still the best. You're trying to prove to your parents, whether they're alive or they're dead, you're trying to prove that you're still the best. 
So ask yourself if you're a saver, if you're trying to prove something and who you might be looking for approval from. How much do you really need that approval? And also as a saver, there's a tendency not to invest in your business. And this is a real problem because as a result, your business will tend not to grow because savers are afraid of taking risks. Savers are typical money types with parents who grew up in the war or during a time of depression. Or even if your parents' parents did that. Because we tend to inherit our parents' beliefs, particularly at the ages of sort of 0 to 7, we are very impressionable and we tend to take a lot of these things on. The fear that your parents had that saving money was so important to them because they didn't understand that money is the cause and we are the effect. They had it kind of backwards. They thought if they saved a lot of money, they would be safe. They'd be more secure if they saved their money. It's actually the other way around. They're safe because they made smart decisions and therefore their money was the result of that. What they did is they created security. The money was just a result of them making smart decisions. The point here is that you are in charge. You make the smart decisions. You take the risks. You're not safe because you saved, you're safe because you make the right decisions. Believe it or not, saving is not always the right decision. You decide what to do in your business. As long as you're consistently doing that, the savings will either be there currently or they will accumulate over time based on the risk and opportunities that you pursue. So you don't want to be held back by your fear that money isn't going to be there in the future. You simply need to make good choices, smart choices. Our fourth money type are martyrs. Our martyrs are people that claim that money isn't important at all, but helping people is. They would rather do what they love to do and not take money and not have to ask for money. Therefore, they never have enough money. And often they become bitter on the inside. They don't often show it because they're doing a lot of giving and little receiving. They believe it's not part of their moral code or their spiritual path. But interestingly, they often believe that it's wrong to receive too much money. They say it's better to give than receive. But here's the truth. It is better to be in a position to give rather than in a position where you need to receive. And believe me, I've been in both positions there. You see, money is not inherently evil. It's simply a multiplier of your true self and your values. T. Harv Eker explains this really well in his book. If you're selfish you'll keep your money and you'll also be selfish with your time and your relationships will also be limited. If you're generous and you're giving, you'll help more people. Despite what you might think, money is important. Money gives you the freedom to live your life on your terms and it can make your life more enjoyable. Not simply through having it, but through having more choices in life as a result of it. Give and take should always be 50-50. Anything else is bad math. Money is energy and it needs to flow. And it must flow both ways. Whether you feel worthy or not, it's important that you know that you can still get rich. That you can still achieve financial freedom. And what do I mean by financial freedom? I mean enough money coming in, either through your business or passive income streams, where you get to choose whether you work or not where you don't have to worry about where the next lead or client is going to come from, where you can have the lifestyle that you want without the worry that most people experience. 
The problem is that nobody ever trained you how to manage your money. There is a brilliant example of this um, and the way it works in Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. It's a really good read as well. And what Robert Kiyosaki does in that book is he talks about his two dads, his natural dad, who had a particular money type, and also the father of his friend who became a father to him really later on and, and, and helped him and advised him around money. And this other person, this second dad, was somebody who just attracted a lot of money. He really knew how to make money. And what it did in this book is really emphasised the different attitudes to money and the different beliefs around money and how that made a difference in real life. So if you've not read that book, go and check it out. It's a really, really good book. Um, Again, I'll put the link in the show notes page for you. So what we need to do is to learn more about how we manage money on a daily basis. Not just money for your business, but also money for your home and your personal life. And the next step is balancing your money type. So this is all about how to manage your money in a smarter way. So let's have a look at those money types again. And what we'll do this time is I'll go through and give you some ideas that you can do to balance your money type. So let's start again with spenders. You remember the spenders. These are the folk who never know what's in their bank. Typically the second born in the family. Spend money for emotional reasons. Usually spend too much. Often have their credit cards maxed out. Again, the key is to find balance. One of the ways to do this is to look at how you proportion your money throughout the month. What you want to do is make sure that you have at least 10% of your money focused on earning you more money. So that's probably to create passive income streams. And if you can't afford that, if you don't have the money to be able to put into creating new passive income streams, you've always got the time to proportion to something like that. But if you haven't got the money, then you need to find 10% of your money and put that into marketing what you're already doing in your business. That 10% needs to be going to create more money. And that's what's going to get you out of the financial trap that you're in, where you earn money and you spend it all, every month. Now, something else you need to do is to stop trying to win approval from others. You often spend on other people, or spend to show that you're successful somehow, or generous, or whatever the reasons are. You spend for emotional reasons. And what you need to know is that you are enough. You don't need other people's approval. In the most case, you've probably already got it. But even if not, the only person's opinion that matters is your own and how you truly feel about yourself. You look at Donald Trump. He's got a lot of haters. He's got his supporters as well, but he's got a lot of haters. But he is so well grounded himself and he loves himself so much that other people's bad opinion of him doesn't seem to affect him. And if it does it doesn't affect him for very long. I mean, you just have to watch him in interviews where he says, I'm the best at this, I'm the best at that, I'm the world's best. He's got a very healthy appreciation for himself. Few people like a braggart. But what it does do is it gives him a huge amount of self-confidence, so much so that he's able to go out and create the life that he wants. Like becoming the President of the United States, one of the most powerful people on this planet. One of the things that spenders do is they spend money on particular categories of things um, and often too much in particular areas. So, for example, that might be that they overspend on drinks and alcohol or shoes or going shopping or personal development. could be a lot of different things. But you tend to have your areas, if you're a spender, areas where you just really go overboard in. For me, it probably would be personal development and technology. What you want to do there is to find the categories of things that you overspend on 
and then set yourself a limit to those problem category areas and use that as a way of keeping yourself in check. So you might say, well, I'm only going to spend £200 this month on personal development. Or maybe it's £10. Whatever the budget is, set yourself a budget and stick to it. And one of the things that will help you do that is to have a money buddy or a money advisor. And what you do is whenever you feel like breaking the rules or you get to some kind of money crisis is that you then go and talk to your money advisor or your money buddy and you talk through the decision with them. That outside perspective will help you keep things in check. Another thing that I find quite useful as well is to set yourself a 24-hour rule. Now, it might not work on some categories, but in most cases it will. And what you do is if you see something that you really want, then you only buy it if you still want it tomorrow. So you don't buy it spur of the moment that way. And if you still want it tomorrow, it's a sign that it's definitely something that's highly priority. Then fine. That way it will take some of the impulse out of your decisions around money. So that's spenders. And that's some of the things that you can do there. Now let's have a look at savers. Remember savers, the Joe call, they always have money, but they often hold back and they often deprive themselves of what's important or what would give them pleasure in their lives. If you find that you don't tend to spend money on things without worrying, then what you want to do is make some rules around it. So for example, you might take 10%, again, 10% of your money earnings and put that into a play account. This might be like a money pot, a money box, or it might go into a separate account and you just transfer that to a separate bank account. And your objective with your play money is simply to spend that money, all of that money, by the end of the month. You've got to blow it. And here's the thing that's going to make it even tougher for you. But you need to do it. You can only spend that money on yourself. You can't spend it on other people. And what this will do, if you do this, what it will do is it will strengthen your faith that there's enough money to go around and that the world will not stop if you spend a little bit of money. You'll see you still have enough money and you'll find in time that you worry less about money. So for you, if you're a saver, put money aside, 10% aside, and spend that every single month. Okay, time for avoiders. If you're a voider, I have huge sympathy for you because that's my money type. That's my natural money type. Um, And over the years, I've addressed that quite a bit. So I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be, but I still have a tendency to go into avoidance and that can cause a lot of worry and anxiety for me, even though I might tell everybody it's going to be fine. And I might lie to myself an awful lot. The key to it, as I've done myself, is to look at your own money and start taking responsibility for your money. You need to know what your numbers are. You need to date your money. I don't mean go out on a date and spend your money. I mean to spend time with your money. To spend an hour once a week and find out exactly what's going on with your money. So that you know exactly how much is in your bank account, how much you spend on things, or where you spend that money. If, like me, your partner is the one that looks after money. So my wife, Julie, she is so practical around money and she always seems to kind of know what she's doing there. In fact, her money type is actually a saver. Be brave. And for 90 days, what you need to do is politely give them the sack and do it yourself. This isn't because they've done a bad job. It's because you've been abdicating responsibility and it's time that you shared the load. You need to step up. You need to know everything you should about your money. What are the outstanding bills? What revenue are you bringing in? Look at your money on a regular basis. Even if your money isn't changing, what it will do is it will help you get in the habit of looking at your money and you'll stop the avoidance. And when you stop the avoidance, then you'll tend to make better decisions around money 
and it will reduce the fear. Now, I know this is terribly difficult. As I say, I'm a natural born avoider myself. In fact, I bridge between avoidance and being a martyr. But the key is balance. And we need to work on our money types. We need to work on our mindset just as much as we do anything else in our business. I know this is difficult. What I encourage you to do is just breathe through it and know that you'll come out okay on the other side. So let's take a look at our fourth one now. This is the martyrs. If you're a martyr, you have trouble asking for money and you're uncomfortable about charging what you're worth. Well, the reality is how you value yourself and what you do is significantly below what it should be. You don't value yourself enough. You might really believe in what you do, but you look at other people who are more successful in your industry and you think that you couldn't charge those prices. Now, that was the case for me. When I first started business coaching, I'd learned a lot around how businesses worked. I'd done my lessons. I'd done my homework. I'd studied to become a qualified coach. And I'd been helping people in business for more than 20 years. But then when I started my business, I felt a bit of a fraud when I was going out there speaking to people because I thought, well, how can I help them in their business when I'm just starting out and I'm not even making the money they're making? Who am I? And before, where I was working for uh, Essex County Council, second largest local authority in the country, it was very easy to talk about the value that the council provided. But here was little me. And yeah, I had these skills, but it had always been about the council and never about me. And here it was me pushing my wares, my skills, my ability to help other people. And although I believed, fundamentally believed in coaching, training and educating people, I lacked the belief in myself. As a result, I didn't charge what it was worth. And when I showed up to consultations and and had discussions with people about how I could help them, I always came across as weak. I could go into this a lot more, but what I hope you can see is that fundamentally your beliefs and your understanding about yourself and how you value yourself has a massive impact in what money you create in the real life. The best thing you can do is to start to get to the underlying reasons why you have trouble asking for money and why it's difficult for you to charge what you're worth. And that's one of the things that I addressed. It's one of the things that made a massive difference. This is usually because of your money story or your money belief that you've been carrying around since childhood. It's some kind of agreement that you made with yourself that you couldn't possibly charge what other people more successful in the industry are charging. The chances are, you say, is that they're more successful simply because they're charging what they're worth. If you undervalue yourself, don't you think other people are likely to do the same? The best way to change your money story is to talk about it. Spend time with a good friend, or better yet, a mentor or a business coach, to really work through your money story and your money fears so that you can finally let go of those limited beliefs that are holding you back. And let's talk about beliefs for the moment. The analogy I like to use is one of a conference room. So if you imagine inside your head, you have a conference room. And inside that conference room is a table. Sitting around that table in a number of different chairs are little mini yous who all have different voices. They're your voices, but they're saying different things. And some of the things that they say are helpful, and others, not so much. Some of the things that those voices talk about are around money. And you decided which money voice to listen to sometime in the ages between birth and seven. Your formative years. This is when you first heard about and experienced money, and this is where your beliefs were set. 
But what you need to understand is that beliefs are merely a set of rules that you made up or someone told you and you didn't question them to be true about how the world is and how you're supposed to behave. The point is that they're your rules and you can change them. It's not just simply a case of making a decision to do that, though. Although it is a start. You have to understand where you come from and then recondition yourself to believe something more helpful. Part of that reconditioning and changing how you think and react around money is changing your money story. Your money story is what happened to you as you grew up and how you formed your beliefs around money. So here's an exercise for you to do. I've created some space in the worksheet or the, the cheat sheet that I've created for today's episode. I've created some space there for you to record your money story. Just write it down. So answer the questions here. How did your mum and your dad and your family talk about money when you were growing up? And when you do this, you really want to think about answering it as fully as possible and take some time to really think about it. And if you can't really remember, you need to go back and speak to your family and have a chat about it because often that will spur off other ideas and thoughts um, and it will get you thinking. So how did your mum and dad and your family talk about money when you were growing up? What was money like for your family and for you? Did you have a lot of money or a little bit of money? Did you even know how much money you had? What did your parents do with the money that they did have? Did they spend it on you? Did they spend it on themselves? Did they hoard it? What did they do with it? So take some time to really examine your money story. This is that awareness that I talked to you about. And once you come up with your money story, this gives you your root experience around money. For me, my money experience was more like my mum. She was an avoider. I believe, and I've never spoken to her about this, to be honest, but I believe that she thought that money was complicated, and that money was boring. She just wanted to be able to get what she wanted. She's not silly or stupid. She just found it complicated, and she used to leave it to my father. And my father painstakingly, every week, would write down every transaction that they did in this big ledger that he had. And I remember a number of times my father tried to show me uh, how he managed money and how he wrote everything down and, and the importance of doing this. And yet I got that, but it looked complicated. And because it looked complicated and because I shared some of my mum's fear around that, I went into avoidance and I took on my mother's view around money. So once we understand our money experience and we've got our root experience around money, we then need to create a new voice. You decide what money belief that you will take on moving forward. Use some of the strategies that we talked about already. And one of the things that might help with this is to come up with some kind of statement or an affirmation, which is simply a positive statement that helps reinforce um, a belief or a feeling that will have a positive effect on your future. So it might be something like this. My services can and will change lives and are worth every penny. So that's my services can and will change lives and are worth every penny. So that's an example of an affirmation. But we're coming to the end of our time here together today. I just want to kind of sum this all up by recognising that the only reason to create a business is to create massive wealth and abundance. If you just want to earn enough money to pay the bills, go get a job. Don't bother with a business. Running a business is a lot more hard work than it is to be an employee in somebody else's business. You live and die by your sword in a business. If you screw up running a business, that could cost you big time. If you screw up whilst in a job, well, for the most cases, people will probably forgive you. 
You only have to screw up really, really big time to lose your job or to have your job affected. In most cases, your job will go on. So if you're going to create a business, do it with the intention of creating massive wealth and abundance. Most businesses are created to make a decent amount of money, and that is not enough. And one of the things that I've told you on chair today is the number one biggest mistake, and that's remaining caught in a financial trap. But if you run your business, you've already made a step in the right direction. See, for most people, what they do is they go to work, they earn the money, they come home, they spend the money. They go to work, they earn the money, they come home, they spend the money. And that's what happens all the time. That's the financial trap. What that is, of course, is a job. You had that when you worked for someone else. And now, if you're running your business and you're doing exactly the same thing, going to work, earning the money, coming home and spending the money, now what you've done is you've created an illusion that you're free and independent. But you're not. You're still caught in this financial trap. Or maybe... You go to work and you earn your money and you come home, but you don't have enough time at home to spend the money that you're getting until you go back and you work and you earn your money and you can't spend your money. And all you're ever doing is going to work and creating money, creating wealth, but you never get chance really to stop and enjoy the wealth that you're creating, doing the things that you really want to do. This isn't money for the sake of having money. This is about money to create the life that you want, with the people that you want, doing the things that you want. Earning money is never about being rich. It's about creating financial freedom. The freedom to spend your life the way that you want to and the freedom to choose whether or not you want to work in your business. That means setting up your systems, automating and bringing in the people that you need so your business runs without you. It also means creating passive income streams so that you get outside of the other financial trap of constantly exchanging time for money. And that's a trap because you never have more than 24 hours a day. You will never get ahead. Once again, the only reason to create a business is to create massive wealth and abundance so that you can live your life the way that you want. And right now, if you want to do something about that, then what I encourage you to do is to go and get the cheat sheet that I've put together for you. It covers all the main points that we talked about today. It's got some exercises in there for you. And out of all the things that I do with my clients, this is one of the things that tends to stick head and shoulders above everything else. Partly, I think, because just we like to learn about ourselves, and that's really, really interesting. But also, if you follow the exercises and you do it properly, it will create a shift in you, a shift that will create new results. I never share something unless I fundamentally believe it and I've used it myself. So that's what I've done today is I've put together all this stuff for you in a cheat sheet. You can go get it at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash nine. But that is all the time we've got today. In the next episode of the Get Real About Business podcast, we're going to be talking about starting your own networking event. And this is great timing right now for what's going on in my life because I'm just launching a new networking event for For Networking, which is an organization that I'm an area leader for and I help them with their networking events. Also back in episode five, we talked about networking for introverts. And that was very much about how you can be successful while networking, not spending time with others, getting referrals, that kind of thing. And these networking groups are a great way of picking up clients and referrals. But if you really want to supercharge your networking, And if you really want to stand out, one of the things you can do is start your own networking event. What this does is put you on the map. It makes you the go-to place for many small business owners. 
And it creates what so many of us want all the time. And that is a steady stream of people coming to our business to find out what we do and how we can help them. If you've ever thought about running your own event like this, perhaps you've been to somebody else and you thought, do you know what? I could do that even better. You ever thought about doing that? Or even if you haven't, then maybe you need to check out this episode. So that's going to be available for you next week. I've already recorded it for you. And I've got an awesome cheat sheet for that too as well. Um, so check that out. We'll be back next week on episode 10. In the meantime, that really is it. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I hope you found it wildly interesting. And more importantly, I hope you found it useful. If you want to hang out with me between times, or you've got questions, or you just want to chat, join me on my Facebook group. The link's going to be on my show notes page. Let me know that you've been listening to the podcast and, and what you thought about it. I'd love to know. That's it from me. I've been Clive Maloney. Here's to you and your highly successful business.